Can we turn into 1 Peter 2, verse 4? 1 Peter 2, 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That's talking about Jesus. You yourselves are like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, for me, this is why we planted a church. We planted a church because we want to see you guys get grafted into the body as living stones. Just imagine a building, if you can picture, say, this warehouse or even the Burj Khalifa. It's, it's, it's built with layer upon layer, brick upon brick, stone upon stone. We don't need stones anymore, but just for illustration's sake. And uh, you are those living stones built into the house of God. And some of you, and the thing is, sometimes a, a living stone has to, has to bear a lot of weight if, they, if they're alone. But if they're together, the, 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 the weight is shared. We're living stones together. We, we reflect in Christ in, in this city. Our heart really is to, is to advance forward and to see the kingdom of God break through powerfully. And we just want, I want to thank you for just being with us. Um, and making this thing possible. Because otherwise, if it's just Star and I, it's, it's not really a church. Okay? Two or three. So we needed just one more person, and then, but we got added a whole lot more. So that's good. Can we go to the next one? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. I'm going to focus on that today. A holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There, if you want to try to sum up Christianity, you want to try to sum up what every single believer is called to. It's we're a chosen race. God chose us from the beginning of time. He knew that you were going to choose Him. He knew that you were going to be saved. He knew that somehow along there was going to be a journey where you were going to find Christ. And if, if, if we had to go around this room, it would be different for every single person. For me, I grew up in a, in a Baptist home. And my mom went to the Toronto Blessing. I don't know if you, anyone ever heard of that. Anyway, it was just a crazy time where people did crazy stuff. And so she came back from that. And, and anyway, so like our family became a little bit different then. And then um, had, a few, had a few years of backsliding. Um, and I've told some of my stories. I mean, my mom was shocked when she actually found out that I'd been drunk before. Um, she thought I was some kind of angel, which is a lie. And um, so anyway, had a few years of backsliding. But then there was a moment in my last year of high school where, where, I, where Jesus found me. I went out with a bunch of friends. Uh, drank a really cheap, in South Africa you get these box wines, um, literally drank the whole thing, uh, kind of, it was just a, a moment, my mom is still shocked, I can see it on her face, where did I learn it from, that's all I'm saying, okay, um, God chose me out of darkness, he plucked me out of darkness, he, he, he said, do you know, what? Like, and then that moment, I, I, because I knew God and I was aware of God, even in the backsliding stage, um, I just felt God speak to me and so said, what are you doing with your life? And I was 17 years old. That moment, I, I repented, came back to Jesus. I, I gave my life. I remember sitting in the back of a church. Uh, and also, there was also some crazy stuff happening in church. Anyway, God still found me in that place. I mean, people, I explained to the leaders the other night, people were doing like stick dancing. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. Um, during the 90s, there was like a, a, a little bit of strangeness that got added to the charismatic move. And uh, people started doing interpretive dancing to songs. I don't know if has anyone ever seen this. Okay. And uh, <laughs> come, Ramsey actually used to be the leader in his old church. <laughs> but basically, I mean, there would be like, say, the cross, and you'd make a cross with the sticks, and then you'd like, like 
I don't know. Anyway, couldn't read that. Anyway, I got saved into that. Needed to say there was an incredible community that was in love with Jesus, found God, and my life was different. I was part of his chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God makes us holy by his blood. We, we're not made holy by our good works. We're sanctified. We're made, we made, we made better by Jesus' blood. If we, if we in any way think that we can add to salvation, we're nullifying what happened on the cross. The cross, Jesus took all of our sin upon himself. He died once for all so we can live a clean, pure, and spotless life before him. So we are holy people. The amazing thing is that it's, it's, it's relating back to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, they, did, they got into some crazy stuff in the Old Testament, but they were still God's chosen people. And there's something of a sense of the church today that like, we, we, there's no perfect church. And if you're here today and you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find it. Okay, because this is not it. You go to the church down the road, that's not it. Because we, 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 we're a bunch of flawed people trying to find Jesus, trying to find somehow make sense of everything that's on this planet. And I can tell you that the only way is through Jesus Christ. The people for his own possession, which means that uh, when someone owns something and it's a, and it's a special possession, if I think, just because like a Ramsey and a Ryan obsessed with guitars, if they've got a, a special possession, even Bruce, he, he, I don't know, he hasn't got his guitar today. I think that's it. He put a new scratch plate on his guitar, which is just the part of the guitar. Anyway, and uh, he, he was looking at this thing like it was his special possession. And, uh, and I think there's a sense, there is that when God looks upon us, he put, upon his people, this, the, the incredible thing about the gospel is that God loved us while we were yet sinners. And, uh, and somehow we think that we have to do a whole lot of things to please the Father when actually when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. And he's so radically pleased with all of you. If you have put your faith in Christ, he loves you. And I want, if anything, uh, for me, that love is so strong and so furious that it will change everything about you. You'll want to live, as we're going to discuss today, as a real royal priesthood. A people for his own possession that may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into light. Once you were not a, uh, not a people, but now you are God's people. Say, I'm God's people. That doesn't make good, that's not even good English, eh? not at all. I'm, I'm God's person. Anyway, you get the point. Once you received mercy, but now, uh, you have not received mercy, but now you have received the mercy of the Father. The, Romans 1 speaks about the wrath of God being poured out upon mankind. If you don't know Jesus, there's, there's a sense that you're standing under the wrath of God. That, uh, that your sins are stacked against you. There's nothing you can do to make you please God. But the moment you, 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 give your, you, you give your life to Jesus, you confess Him as Lord of your life, His righteousness becomes the righteousness in your heart. And then when God looks at you, He sees Jesus' righteousness. That's why the gospel is scandalous. The gospel is unfair. The gospel uh, is it, it's, it's, it's the most... It, it doesn't make sense compared to every other religion where it's about working hard. It's about doing a whole bunch of things, and if you slip up for a second, then God's going to come and smite you. Christianity is about believing in Christ and putting your faith in Him. Okay. Today we're going to talk about the royal priesthood. So I'm just using two words, okay? And if you look on stage, uh, we have a makeshift tabernacle, okay? So a tabernacle, tabernacle in the old days with the, with the children of God, with the people of Israel, was like this portable worship place, portable church, that they used to walk around uh, the desert with and set it up wherever God told them to stop. And basically, if you, if you had, okay, we have to use our imagination now. Okay? So imagine the square is kind of the, the outside of uh, the whole 
tabernacle area. So there, there would be generally a fence that would come around here. And then you would come this side. And uh, there's only one entrance into uh, the tabernacle. The tabernacle is a place where, where God's presence physically was housed. It's a place where people would bring sacrifices, a place where the priests would go. I'm going to explain the different stages. So here you had the common area, which is basically us. We're the common people. We're not priests of any special order. We're not out, out of the tribe of Levi because actually only the tribe of Levi could be priests and only one high priest could actually go into the, the, other, the last holy of holies. So you have your outer courts. And what we would do is that you'd bring a, a, a bull or a goat and you would sacrifice it on a brazen altar. So just imagine that this wood was lit and there was a cow or a goat stuck on top. The Bible says without blood there's no forgiveness of sin. So basically the Israelite people knew that they had to, that once a year they would come in and they would give, and there's a whole like, different bunch of things that you could give two doves for the forgiveness of this, whatever it is. There's a whole list of things you can go read in Leviticus. But basically there was something that was sacrificed on the brazen altar and then you could come in. So there's one entrance in brazen altar. Then you come into, I don't want to get this wrong. Okay. So that's called the outer courts. It's a very impersonal place with God. You, 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 you don't actually interact with the Father. You're more just doing religious duty. So, you don't, so God literally doesn't come and kill you. Um, then you have this place. This is called the holy place. Now in the holy place, there were three different things. There, were, there was the, the lights. Okay, it didn't look like that. I don't know if you've ever seen that, uh, the menorah. It kind of, it's like the Jewish candle. The seven different lamps. Come. That was the only light given basically so they wouldn't uh, stumble around while they're doing... The, the duty of God. It speaks about the light of God shining into man. Again, I don't want to get any of this wrong. Um, there was a table of incense, and incense always represents something of prayers going up to the Father. And uh, then there was the showbread, which does represent us, ha- us having community with God. And uh, at, they used to put the showbread out, and at the end of every week, the priests used to come together, grab the bread, and eat it together. It's like a, a representing of a future picture of Jesus Christ, which we're going to look at now of us having fellowship and eating and sitting down with the Father. Okay. Is everyone on the same page? It's not too complicated. Then you had this part here. This is called the Holy of Holies. This um, the, Here would be the, the Ark of the Covenant. Who's seen Indiana Jones? Where is the last Ark? Okay, that's the Ark that they were talking about. That's a fake story. Just a whole lot of fun. But basically... It's the Ark of the Covenant, and in those days, it was the very presence of God. God put uh, the Ten Commandments inside, and it was the place that the presence of God dwelt. And the amazing thing about the Ark of the Covenant is that it was the most holy place, and the high priest was chosen, and only once a year could he go in and ask for forgiveness for the sins of the people. So basically, he had had the common people here, he had the priests that could do stuff here, and then only the high priest. And the thing is, there there was such a... Uh, a fear of God in the Old Testament that they used to tie a rope around their ankle that if, uh, if, they, if somehow he caught a glimpse of God or touched his glory, they used to pull him out because they didn't want to go actually physically behind the curtain and find. Okay, so you had, you had the outer courts, you had a little mini curtain here. This is a tent. And then here, this thing was 60 feet. It was a curtain. It was 60 feet high. It was um, 30 feet wide and 4 inches thick, thick, which is about that thick. It's a massive curtain that separated the actual presence of God. And um, now I hope you're starting to pick up the pictures here. Okay, the reason I'm telling you this is because we are called to be a royal priesthood. I'm telling you what the priesthood in the old days did. 
So if we, are, if we are the New Testament royal priesthood, it's almost a picture. We need to look at this picture and say, okay, that's how we need to be acting. Now, we're not going to go and set up a tabernacle that we're going to do all these rituals in. But it's, it was a shadow and a type of what Christ fulfilled and what Christ did. So I'm going to get to that now. Okay, the outer courts. The amazing thing is, in the outer courts, you had one entrance. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's a, it's a picture. It's a picture of Jesus. He says, I'm the gate. I'm the one who lies people in, and I'm the one who lies people out. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to interact with the Father. It's through Jesus. You had the brazen altar. 2,000 years ago, Jesus hung on his brazen altar, the cross. He died in our place. He, he took, he, it wasn't, uh, they used to put an animal for kind of a certain period of time. It was a sacrifice for a certain period of time. Jesus died as the ultimate sacrifice. Hebrews says that his blood was better than of bulls and goats. He was the ultimate sacrifice that died once and for all time. So the whole world can now get to a place where they can interact with the Father. The amazing thing about what Jesus and his, and his message when he's teaching, even in Our Father, he says, Our Father in heaven. Now, if you understand the Jewish mindset, they, they would be like, that is, you can't interact with God like that. For them, God is about religiosity, and somehow you can maybe interact with him through all this religion that you've done. Jesus brought a relationship back. Coming to this middle part here, everyone with me? It's a little bit of teaching, but it's going to help you get a picture of what, our picture of what we're meant to be doing. You come into this middle part here, You've got the light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. The scripture is about Jesus being the bright morning star. And it, 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 Jesus is the only thing that makes sense in this whole world in terms of you've got massive questions about creation. You've got massive questions about God. Does God exist? Doesn't he? All these things. Jesus is the thing that makes sense. Um, the altar of incense. Jesus, uh, Paul says that Jesus is our great intercessor. There, there used to be an altar of incense where this incense used to go up. That's, Jesus is interceding. He's praying for every single person here. Right now, Jesus is thinking of you. I don't know what he's saying to the Father. He might be saying, Junior, I'm saying, he's saying, listen, Dad, I hope Junior gets this today, or, or whatever. Would you open his mind? I mean, the, the point is that Jesus is forever interceding for the saints. He's, he's looking at, in, the amazing thing about God is that it can be everywhere at once, but it can so, be so individual to every single person and be doing different things in everyone's heart at the same time. It's an incredible thing. The table of showbread, which is obviously us having communion, it's us having interacting with the Father. And then the amazing thing happened. Jesus on the cross cries out, it is finished. At that moment it's recorded even in other history books other than the Bible, that the, the temple curtain was torn into from top to bottom. That just showed that there was no access to the presence of God. And the amazing thing is that in the Old Testament, there was the Day of Atonement. The day when, um, when, when, uh, when a bull or a goat was, was, was killed for the sins of Israel. There's a whole kind of ceremony around that, the scapegoats, etc. Can't go into detail now, but... Basically, that day of atonement is the day that the priest could go into the presence. Now, Jesus died once and for all. Now, we can have continual access to the presence of God. Isn't that a, that's good news for me. Old Testament, they had to do a whole lot of things. Only a select few, down to a select one, would experience the presence of God. And I think a lot of us, 
and include myself, sometimes we live our lives vicariously through a pastor, through someone else's teaching, through someone else's revelation. We, we spend a ton of time on YouTube looking at preachers, what they're doing, but we, can, we don't know how to access the presence of God for ourselves. And that is the call on every single believer that is sitting here. Every, every person who's confessed Christ as Lord, we have access to the Shekinah glory. That's what it was called. The, the very presence of Jesus. It's why we have times of worship. It's why we, we lift God up. It's, 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 it's nothing we can do to earn that presence. It's just a receiving of who He is. And I think for me, this is an incredible picture. If we're looking at being a community that is set on fire, where every single person is playing their part, like it was in the Old Testament. If you go read uh, through uh, Chronicles, you go read through um, Leviticus, every p- person in the New in the Israel community played a part ultimately in the worship of God. And that's what we are called to be, a royal priesthood. Number one, our priorities is Jesus. Our priority is to focus on Him, worship Him. Our second priority is to love others. And I think for me a simple, simple, simple thing in terms of understanding what God has called us to do is to love Him with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, absolutely everything up to Him. And an automatic thing that starts to happen, if you've truly seen Jesus, is that you love one another. We can come boldly into His presence like we own the place. I remember, obviously, growing up, you'd come home. I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of come into my home and say, Mom, is it okay if I come inside? Can I throw my school bag on the ground? I always get moaned at. But the point is, I came into the house that my parents owned like I owned it. And I've seen that... Uh, even with, with Rian walking around Rom and Nusha's home, he walks around that place like he's the king of the castle. And Rom has to put him in his place quite a bit. But uh, the, the thing is, in a sense, we need to be like that with the Father. Is that Jesus has paid the, paid the price. He's paved the way. He's this uh, incredible bridge builder that, that, that took us and said, you know what, I've fulfilled everything. I was the brazen altar. I'm the light of the world. I'm the showbread. I'm everything. Now just focus on me and you'll see the presence of God come. And for me, that's, that's what I want as a community. I want to say, and I said it last week, we can be a church of programs, because it's great. There's so many Christian programs that we can get and bring into the church. We can bring how to, how to like better your life in this way, how to make Christ sense, and all these kind of things. We can bring it, or we can be a church of the presence of God, which is the ultimate plan. of. And this, the sad thing is people have created theologies around, seeing, around not seeing the presence of God, this, this New Testament glory of God that we are, we are meant to dwell in and live in, and they start to make a whole bunch of rules and plans and little things that actually just waste people's time and never actually get to the point, which is Jesus and His presence. Royal priesthood. I'll talk a little later about uh, abiding in the vine. If you look at, I watched, uh, uh, who's, who knows Tyrese, that uh, an American actor, and uh, Claire's like, yes, I know him. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Um. <laughs> anyway, he was in Dubai recently. I don't know if any of you saw, but he basically on his, um, on his uh, Facebook, he said, oh, I would love to meet Sheikh Hamdan. And literally like a day later, he ended up meeting Sheikh Hamdan. And Sheikh, the, Sheikh Hamdan took him around. Uh, that's the Sheikh's son, if those of you don't know. And they took him around in the desert to his private game reserve or whatever he's got, you know. And I was just, I was just reflecting on, on a person like Sheikh Hamdan. There's, there's certain things that is assumed because he's royalty. 
and I just wrote a few things down here, is that there's immediate authority. And I don't know if, it, did anyone see that BBC interview? Um, where basically, they were, it was one of the very few interviews that had been done with Sheikh Mohammed. And uh, they were, the, this guy was in his, I think he went to Sheikh Mohammed's private, private house in the desert. And uh, there was a whole bunch of distractions. And one of the things is that the planes were going overhead and they were trying to film. And the, the, the interviewer says, listen, can we do anything about that? In a moment, Sheikh Mohammed makes a call. There's no more planes flying over where they are. And, uh, and for me, that's, that, that speaks about authority and power. And that's, that's what a Sheikh Hamdan would be born into. Just trying to paint a picture of, uh, of royalty. Wealth. We, we serve a God who owns absolutely everything. And if you look at, uh, again, Sheikh Hamdan, he never has to worry about money. I mean, maybe if the world goes into absolute horrid recession. But at the moment, he's pretty sorted. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's never, a, never a worry in his life. He's the kind of guy that Rom would like to meet to do banking with. There's just there's like a, a, a flood of money that, that is coming out. He's got power. He's got favor. The amazing thing is, just purely because he was born and, be, and, and he has bin Muhammad al-Rashid Maktoum on the end of his name, he immediately gets royalty and favor. And I, can I say that, can, can we paint that as a parallel to the kingdom of God? We serve the most high God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Bible says that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord, whether they put their faith in him or not. There's going to be so, there's, there's a time coming, I don't know when it is, and I hope it's soon, that Jesus is going to come on the clouds, and we're going to bow our knee, every single person, whether they believed in him or not. Atheists in that moment are going to be going, oh, okay, we've missed, we've, we've missed it, you know? And they're going to bow their knee, and they're going to, put, they're going to bow their knee to the King of Kings. And sometimes I think as believers, we live in paupers where we're actually meant to be living in a, as, as kings in the kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean immediately people think, oh, cool, I'm a Christian, I'm going to be rich. No, it doesn't mean that because the Bible says there's this prosperity. That doesn't always mean wealth. A blessing doesn't always mean wealth, but it might mean wealth for, for a lot of you. It's a relationship with, with God. Sometimes God takes you on a journey where, where things are really tight because he's actually developing some character in you so he can take you into an abundance that he has for you. We serve a God who owns everything. We serve a God who has all authority, all power, and all favor. And I was just praying about our venue because uh, there's a, I want to hopefully soon bring some good news around our own venue, which is looking fairly imminent. Um, and I was just praying and I was saying, God, and I felt God say to me, He said, do you believe I can do this? So I said, yes, God, if it's your will. And in that moment, I felt God almost like, like, not a heavy rebuke, but just say, there's your problem. You still have a poverty mentality. I'm like, okay, can you please explain this to me? Now, this, I don't normally have conversations with God like this, okay? So this is a, a rare thing. But it was almost like in that, in that moment, there was just a revealing to say that actually Jesus says that all authority has been given to him. We are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. Go read through Colossians. Everything's in Christ. So if, God, if Jesus had been given the authority, if we go out in the name of Jesus, we have authority over certain things. The Bible says that we have authority over sickness. It says if you lay hands on people, they will become well. We, are we trusting that, people, that businessmen in the church can have authority where they get into high places where they are advising governments? where they're advising people because they're carrying the presence of God. And, and it's because ultimately Jesus is the ruler of absolutely everything. And I, for me, we need to start as believers living 
as a priesthood, first of all, offering up. Romans 12 uh, speaks about the acceptable worship is actually everything to God. It's laying down your life before Him. But that we are the royal priesthood. And uh, the amazing thing, if you read a little bit further on, it says in verse 13, Be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it's the emperor's supreme or the governor's as sent to uh, punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. He's basically saying that if you understand that you're a chosen race, a royal priest, or a holy nation, there's something that, of a bigness of God that should be coming to you that Paul almost had to correct it and say, but while you, under, while you are living in the kingdom of God, which is an unseen kingdom, just remember to stay submitted to, to human institutions, to the emperor, the government, etc. For me, my heart for every single person here is that we become this, we realize that Jesus has taken care of all of this, we can approach him. But also we are, we are part of a royal lineage. There's, uh, I think often people just have such a low view of themselves. And I, I chat to so many believers, and the, 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 this, is, this is one of the main things, they don't see themselves as God sees them. And can I say, when God looks at every single one of you, He, he is stoked. He loves you. Honestly, you don't have to try to hide your sin, okay? Because God can see everything. And that's the funniest thing for me is Adam sins and then starts, like, hides away from God. You're like, God's everywhere. He's, he made you. He, he owns the earth. He can pop out anywhere. And um, let's just pray together. And then we've got a, a couple more things. Got a little video then announcements. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your hand on our lives. Lord Jesus, I pray that um, really, God, even for myself, that this thing would sink in, that we don't need to do a whole bunch of things to approach you, Father. We just need to put our faith in Christ Jesus. Thank you for Lord God, that your presence is accessible at any moment. It's not, it's, it's dependent on you, Father. And we just ask you, God, that uh, we would be a people that live with your presence. It wouldn't be a moment thing, but God, it will be something that, that is just so gripped so deeply in our hearts. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.